1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and you're listening to Voice America Business Channel. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me just tell you a little bit about what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection, regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes or Google Play. Listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly be even the key to your future success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. If you'd like to be on a guest on our show and you're a professional, a business person with passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful either for your business or yourself. And today, we're going to talk about something that is impacting all of our Lives, not just our personal lives, but our work lives. Artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things is changing everything. It is changing not just our personal lives, but it will also change the future of work. We already see it being used in consumer and customer targeting applications and even in performance evaluations. It is merging our personal lives with our business lives as devices learn. More about us, and location-based intelligence always knows where we are and what we're doing. It also raises a lot of questions, more questions than answers. And our guest today is convinced that we should be asking these questions that it raises. As leaders, we're aware of many opportunities uh, AI, artificial intelligence, or the Internet of Things bring us but we're also sometimes a little bit scared of what that future may look like. In 2014, a POO study revealed that 48% of the respondents posed to certain questions, believe that robots and digital agents will replace a significant amount of the blue and white-collar workers by 2025. So I posed the question to our leaders listening, what are we doing to prepare ourselves for this? Today, we're going to talk about this and more. As leaders and future leaders, we cannot afford to focus just on today. We need to think about tomorrow and prepare ourselves for this change. And our today's guest thinks about tomorrow and he helps leaders prepare themselves for the future. Joseph M. Bradley is the author of the book Questioning and is currently the Global Vice President of Digital and IoT Professional Services Organization at Cisco. He is also a senior research fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. In these roles, he leads a team of multidisciplinary experts and technologists who help CEOs, CIOs, CXOs and government leaders transform into digital organizations. Joseph's book, Questioneering, is a new model for innovative leaders in the new digital age. Questioneering introduces a decision-making model to enable leaders in the digital age to discover the high-value questions and execute high-value answers. Joseph is also known for achieving several breakthrough innovations in business and technology. He built the foundation for Cisco's Internet of Things strategy and the Internet of Everything's practice by directing Cisco's influential research that determined 19 trillion dollars of value was associated with embracing the internet of everything. As a world-renowned speaker, mentor, trainer, and now published author, Joseph uses his questionnaire book to share insights gained from his 20 years of corporate leadership experience. And I'm so happy he has given us the time to be with us today. Welcome Joseph.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Hey, so Joseph, this is this is all such exciting stuff. Okay, let's let's start out with the basics and talk about you know the digital disruption that we're facing today. Um, With fifty million objects that will be connected to the Internet of Things by twenty twenty, what kind of impact is this having on our daily lives?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's pretty tremendous. I mean, the best analogy I can give you is if you if you just pause for a minute and said, if everything you own, all your assets could talk to you, what would you want them to say? That's the kind of environment that we're headed to. Uh, whether, whether or not it's your car telling you where, where you're going, how soon you're going to get there, whether it's 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 your lawn telling you when it needs to be mowed, whether it's your fence telling you where it needs to be painted, you are going to have the ability to communicate uh, with every physical object in the world. It's as if the world is going to reboot, if you will, and become fully instrumented And when that happens, it fundamentally will change how we work, how we live, and and how we play. Uh, You're going to really see that, I think, in coming through in in really two core kind of grounded areas. One, I think it's not going to be content anymore. It's going to be all about context. It's going to be context will become king. And I think the second area, you're going to really see a lot of hype around real time. But quite frankly, uh, real time will be too late. So, those are the kind of areas that I think you're going to really, you know, really see and involve uh, as we move into the digital age.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and can you talk a little bit more what you mean by, by the shift from the content to the context?
2: Yeah. So, you know, uh, I travel a lot. Right. I mean, I put mm-hmm. probably 250,000, 300,000 miles on a plane and I got the same recurring nightmare. Uh, at least happens to me once a week. I'm getting in line. I reach down and I don't have those Bose headphones. Right. Mm-hmm. And those, and why is that a problem? That's because I'm about to get on this plane and this beautiful young couple with these two well-behaved kids, four and six, when they cross over that plane, they hear that sound, they're looking for where is Joseph Bradley? Whether I'm sitting in the first class, middle class, and they are so excited for the whole trip and they want to just tell me everything there is going on in their lives. So in that moment... Joseph Bradley, African-American male, let's just say a millennial at heart, <laughs> <laughs> looking for a pair of headphones is dramatically different than Joseph Bradley, African-American male, millennial at heart, looking for a pair of headphones on the weekend with my son at a Best Buy. In the first example, marketing would tell you the same customer, but it's not. I'm going to that kiosk booth i don't care what it is i may buy two or three i care about availability right i just want those headphones And the second example hey i want to engage in an intellectual conversation with the best buy folks around decibels and quality and all that and so as context changes so do i Mm -hmm. Uh, so do my needs and so when the world is instrumented We now uh, as a business society, we now as people, as social society, we now can understand and capture. So that's what I mean by when I say context is king, the ability to be able to extract contextual information from the world around you and how you are interacting with that will fundamentally be very, very, very
1: important in defining who you are as a customer. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really you that, that's a really great example I like the headphone example a lot because because we're all we, we all have that in our lives sometimes you yes. may be in one context one moment and you may be in another context in another moment and when this is all happening Joseph so I mean we're being surrounded and you talked about this voice based okay um, yes. and, and contextual and um all these things that we're connected to, I mean, that's a lot. Do you think it's going to get more confusing or they're going to get confused with themselves, the the the, the um, different uh, machines and everything where, yeah.
2: Well, you know, I don't know about you I always joke around. I can't wait to, you know, my my, uh, my, my phone's talking to me, my carpet's talking to me, <laughs> milk's talking to me. You know, I don't get enough emails, right? So just just throw it up, right? Uh, you're absolutely right. Insight is the currency of the 21st century and so everything we do and where we will look for value will be how can I take data to information to insight which is actionable what what is it what, what what can I glean from it I think especially when we talk about voice um I think you know listen Voice augmentation, conversational AI, critically important, but I think it's important to me to realize what's more, more relevant is how we communicate today, moving to the future. You know, we twice we text twice as much as we do uh, by calling people on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's really about what is the right medium for me to communicate with this machine or what's the right medium for me to communicate with you as an individual given that time, given that context. So let me give you an example. So the employee calls you and we're talking about this topic. We're talking about a topic at work and we're talking about the technology we should use. And all of a sudden that employee says, Hey, you know, I know raises are coming up Joseph and and I really could, could, could use one. You know, what what do you think? The context of that conversation has now changed. So I might've been talking to you fine on the phone and doing a very voice augmented conversation, but now I want to have the ability to switch from voice to video. Why? Because it's more personal. I want you to be able to see me, what's going on. It's going to be the same thing with machines, right? I may be talking to a machine on the one hand, On the next hand I'm I'm getting in a high busy street and I want to text that machine. I want to just give me a quick status of what's going on. What you're going to see, I think, is the ability for us to switch communication mode based on the context of the conversation that I'm having with that asset or with that person. And I think that's really... That, that to me is going to distinguish those that are winners and losers in, in the in the marketplace.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and when you're talking about that context and you ju- just talked about you want to be seeing somebody, we have voice and then we also have now facial recognition. I mean, do yes. you think facial recognition is going to be the new credit card or w- what's going to happen there? You know, facial recognition um,
2: is critically important. I think you're going to continue to see it grow in authentication. So, you know, 20 to 40 percent of cell phones. I think by 2020, we'll have, uh, you know, facial recognition as a means of authentication. But I think that's what I would call the lower value kind of question uh, or or the lower value kind of obvious thread. I think that the more impactful thing you're going to see is machine vision. When machines can see, what does that really mean? What it means is, is everything they look at by definition now becomes connected. So Why is that important? Well, when you think about IoT, and everybody talked about sensors and the low cost of sensors, the cost of the sensor isn't the big issue. The big, big issue is physically going out and having to install sensors and having to maintain sensors. So imagine going to a retail store and having to put sensors on every single shelf. It's a heck of a lot easier if you can use existing camera infrastructure and machine analytics to be able to physically see what's on the shelf now everything that machine is by definition connected so what i think you're going to see in the advancements you're going to see especially in neural networks and all that types of processing you're going to really 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 see that right you're going to get a good understanding of the power of what happens when machines can see mm-hmm. physically everything in the world becomes connected and when that happens you get exponential value because decision making can fundamentally move closer and closer and closer to the customer. And that's where context lies. So really, really exciting times. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And that's. I want to talk a little bit about that a little bit more in in a minute. But I just have one question I want to ask you. This all this is going on, okay? And and we have five generations in the workforce today. So, do you do you feel is all these changes are being more accepted by maybe one group of people than the other group of people, um, or is everybody just adapting to this?
2: You know, um, I will say this: um, we put too much emphasis on uh, generational differences. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have to be very, very careful. I think it's a starting point. You can't generalize anymore. Um, I think generalizations are out the door. Con- context is, is, is everything. Without a doubt, um, I think the last three generations, Generation X, Millennials, and Generation Z, have grown up with technology. Uh, and so because they've grown up with technology, they're, they're, they're really concerned with how does it benefit me as an individual. And that's the real critical point because we're all different. If I ask you if you value privacy, you say yes. But yet you go to you go to a restaurant, you give somebody your credit card. You don't know why do you do that? Because it's contextual based. So um, I think the generational uh, gap is overblown. There are some key learnings, but I think all three generations have grown up with technology, and fundamentally, it's a starting point, but not an end point. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah and and if you I don't know if you've read the book um, generation Z Generation for Nation Z by Bruce Tolkien and he says and, and I really um, he was on our show and I'd urge you to listen to it he he says it's it's there is no Generation Z. That we are all of it, and it's about how we interact with the technology that's out there. Totally. So, it, yeah. So, which is really, I really enjoyed um, reading that book. Well, we're we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break, um, Joseph. And when we come back, I want to talk about. I want to go back to the machines and talk about how this is affecting us in the workplace and how our jobs are going to what shifts we're going to see there. Okay. And for our listeners, we are talking to Joseph Bradley, and we're going to take a short break. And Joseph Bradley is the author of the book Questioneering and Global Vice President of Digital and IoT Professional Services Organization at Cisco. He's also Senior Research Fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. He's also a world-renowned speaker, mentor, trainer, and Publish Osper. He has 20 years of experience in corporate leadership. And if you want to reach out to Joseph, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. And he's under Joseph M. Bradley. And that's Bradley with... B-R-A-D-L-E-Y and he'd be love to hear from you and I'd also like to hear from you I'm your host Kimberly Lewis CEO and leadership business expert you can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at leadershipbeyondborders and with that we'll be right back Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about a really exciting subject. We're talking about what AI and the Internet of Things is doing to us and how it's changing our life. And we're talking with Joseph Bradley, the author of the book Questioneering and Global Vice President of Digital and IoT Professional Services at Cisco. He's also the Senior Research Fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. And Joseph, before we left, we started talking about, um, you were talking about machine learning and machine recognition. And I want to take that a step further. And how is that going to impact the workforce?
2: Yeah, so I'll tell you, now, I'm not a doomsday person. Uh, I fundamentally believe that the, the power of, of this is is not to replace the human spirit, but to enhance it. It's a it's a situation of one plus one equals three, right? Uh, And so I think when you talk about how it's going to impact the 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 workforce, I think fundamentally you're going to see a dramatic change in the makeup of the workforce. What we call a team, I I, you know really quickly I would tell you, you know today most folks think of the workforce as being full time contributors, right? Full time employees. That that's that's kind of the, the, the full range the lens that we look through. You're going to have. Why would you believe that? with this type of team, you're gonna have shared contributors, meaning people that work for multiple companies, and it's okay. You're gonna have the crowd, you're gonna have full-time freelancers, you're gonna have machines, you're gonna have artificial intelligence. All of those are gonna make up a team. And what is that gonna mean when you say the words inclusion? What's that gonna mean for diversity? These are the types of things that I think are gonna be very prevalent in in how we construct and how we think of the work environment. In In other words, it's not going to be a question of how do we acquire more talent. It's going to be a question now of how do we access talent? Because with with AI and machine learning, you're going to see that that talent is going to be plentiful. Opportunity is going to be scarce.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you talk about how do we acquire the talent, talent? That that's a really good question because when I when I look at um, the the workforce coming in now, the 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 people leaving universities now, and um, they are working for multiple companies and they're working from home. I mean, they I grew up where you had to. My first job was nine to five. I had to go to an office, and yes. and these kids just don't. They're not doing that. So how are we going to reach out and find? These this talent and and integrate them?
2: I I think it's an absolutely great question. It fundamentally requires you to change your your whole premise, right? Today, you say, give me a resume, right? Tomorrow, there's no resume. It's the digital exhaust. You're going to physically look and see and say, I want evidence. Show me evidence of what a person has done. And you're going to reach out and be able to communicate to that person based on what they produced. The world that we're getting in it's social, it's it's content driven. You know, results are plentiful, they're around you. And so the ability for you to be able to reach out and be able to listen and improve your listening skills so that you can tap into that to tap into that talent is 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 critical. It also means the type of work that you're doing is gonna change. It's gonna become much more modular. Meaning, if you wanna be able to tap into a data scientist that doesn't work for you, you fundamentally have to structure that problem in a way that allows for freelancers and allows for people to be able to engage and disengage with you in a productive manner. So it's not only about accessing the talent, that's going to change. It's not only about how you qualify the talent, it's going to change, but but how you define the work that they do will fundamentally
1: change. hmm Mm -hmm. And when you talk about this, and and, and I read in your book, you you were talking also about this shift. And you're talking about the shift from from skills to capabilities and the the rise of humanities. So is this what you mean when you're talking about this?
2: Yes. When I say the rise of humanities, let me be clear. I am all for STEM. So, you know, please don't get Joseph doesn't believe STEM is important. I'm all for STEM. The issue, though, however, is in a world where all the answers are known, That's the world we're living in, right? Mm -hmm. In a world where all the answers are known, value is in understanding what question to ask. Rise of the humanities, man. I need people that can look at a problem and that can think about it differently. Uber was not a new technology. The taxi cabs companies knew where their taxi cabs were. What was the innovation? It was fundamentally asking a different question. If you look at companies and want breakthrough innovation now, look at some of the job descriptions. I want you to spend 20 years in the same engineering department, in the same company, but I want you to think differently, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that fundamentally has to change is not necessarily the skills that you have, but the capabilities, how you can apply those skills. And that's going to extend our thinking quite a bit. So that's what I mean about this shift from, from, from really how we understand and how we think about it uh, in, in today's term, the rise of the humanities, the ability for us to think outside the box and ask unique and different set of questions, and from really from our ability to think about skills, the capabilities, is the world is changing so fast. Right? I don't. I don't need to show you how to fish. I need you to be able to fish. Right? I got to teach you how to mm-hmm. do it. You to learn. So that's really what 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 I mean by that. Mm -hmm.
1: And that would then, Joseph, that ultimately goes back to what you're saying. It's also going to to change what our teams look like, Um, because these teams are going to be more multi-diverse than they are today. And that's when you talk about it's not really about diversity, it's about inclusion. So the team of the future, I mean, how how could that look like? What could that look like? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so the team of the future, uh, you're going to have a person on your team that's a full-time employee. You're going to have a person in your team that is working for multiple uh, companies, maybe one in your vertical, maybe one outside your vertical, maybe one in marketing and, and probably uh, uh, maybe one in, a, in an adjacent market to give you a greater insight of the business. You're going to have a crowd. You're going to be able to post some jobs. and You're going to be accessing people from the crowd. You're going to have full-time freelancers. That you hire on a contract basis. You may have a robot. You may have a machine. And then you may have artificial intelligence. Think, uh, think Alexa, right? Um, all that makes up a team. So when you think about diversity, diversity means that you have the potential to create value because you have an an ability to tap in uh, different people that are made up or assets that come with a different point of view. You have the potential, but inclusion is the ability to allow each of those people to have a voice. It is the ability for you to think about how do I drive full participation? In other words, Diversity is the potential for value. Inclusion is the realization of that value through full participation. That um, will, will stretch us. That will stretch our thinking. Uh, today, we think of the diversity in terms of race and gender, and we got a long way to go. I mean, hashtag me too. We, we got a long way to go. But be clear, that's the beginning step. If you're going to be successful, you're going to really need to understand diversity of thought. Just because you got two or three African Americans on a team does not necessarily mean that you will have diversity of thought if they're from the same area, the same block, went to the same school. Mm -hmm. It's going to stretch us in our view of, of diversity and inclusion. And why is that? That's because insight is a currency of the 21st century, and you need a diverse group of thought in order to drive and uncover those true nuggets. So... You know, that's really where where you're going to see the workforce of the future is a team comprised of a multitude of capabilities in an environment that encourages them to participate. Mm
1: -hmm. And that is that that's really, really well put. Um, And when I think about this. This is where our technology today is really helping us because if I want to have a diversity of thought in my team, then yes. then I want also um I can reach out to that global environment. Okay? I can reach out and have somebody from from Finland, from from yes. Thailand and and bring in that for innovation, and as a leader, how do, you, how do you do that, okay? How have you seen it? How do you reach out at, to those resources? Because they're out there, how do you get them into your company? Yeah, so
2: first off is, you know, people don't want a vision, they want a purpose. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you have to be clear on what is your purpose. People care about that. Uh, as a business leader, to get them to, to come to you, you have to think about not the job, but what's, what's the impact they're gonna have? People want a compelling problem to solve. You have to be able to articulate that. Two, got to have a formal listening infrastructure as a leader. Most people wake up in the morning and I say, What are you, who are you listening to? Who are your top experts? They don't have any clue. If you want to reach out and engage people, you gotta have a formal way of doing so. Right? Whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's your social media network, the how do you improve and engage in your way of learning? So I think you know, that's how you, you, you attract these people. You gotta one, be very purposeful and give them problems that are exciting and, and, and creative to do. And secondly, you gotta connect, right? You, you, you physically gotta connect. I personally, every single person that reaches out to me, uh, sends me a, a message or some kind of text, I got five minutes. I'm, I find the time, I got five minutes. And I think you as a leader, when you think about the value in, 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 the, in a digital age, it's not based on the, 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 the quote the, the amount of money that, that 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 you ultimately make. I think the reality is it's going to be measured by the number of connections you have because the connections are will become an internal source of value. Can you can you truly build long lasting,
1: memorable, and impactful connections? Mm-hmm. And as a leader today, as you're building this purpose and you're building the connections. Um, it means that we have to have different skills as leaders today because yes. it, um, so what do you see as probably the, the most valuable skill a leader has to have or the most important thing? You know, so they're building the purpose they're building the connections. Um, yes. How has my leadership role shifted?
2: I think, number one, if I were thinking about it, I'd probably, put it, probably say five things. I think, I think number one is you, you got to be bold as a leader. When I say bold, silence is no longer an option. Business, consumer and social are all coming together. So if you there's a topic that's out there and you you don't say you don't claim your position on it, your people are going to think one way or the other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it used to be that there's some political topics. I think we didn't talk about as leaders. uh -uh. That's all on board now with with the generations that we're in. They care about our views. They care about our corporate culture. So silence is not an option. Number two, you got to move decision making closer to the customer. We talked about context is king. Let me tell you, how do you empower, what decisions are you going to empower that are allowed for your people that are going to be making that are closest to the customer? Most leaders, if I ask them what decisions can your people make, they can't even articulate that. Mm -hmm. They can't articulate. So you got a move decision. Second thing, the the third thing I would tell you that you have to be able to do as as a leader is you have to fundamentally be able to innovate outside the four walls of your organization. How are you going to access talent that does not want to work for you in a full-time capacity? How are you going to bring that into your organization? So, um, th- those are the three things that I would that I would that I would say uh, from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean that uh, accessing talent and bringing the decision making closer to the customer—that's a really important one that I see a lot of times. when the companies that I work with, um, you're right. You ask them, well, what what can your what can your teams, what kind of decisions can they make? And they can't answer that question. Um, and that comes to trust, doesn't it also, Joseph, a little bit? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I want I'd like to, we're going to, we're going to take a, a break again. Um, and I'd like to come back And I'd like to go into that a little bit more and come back to um, the, the aspect of trust and how this technology is, is changing, trust and how do we trust the machines and how do we trust the teams and and what we have to do as leaders around that. So for our listeners, we are talking with Joseph Bradley. He's the author of the book, Questionnearing and he's the global vice president of the digital and IOT professional services organization at Cisco. And he's also senior research fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. He's a renowned speaker, mentor, trainer, published author, and his book, Questioneering, shares insights about what is happening in this transformation that we're going through. And you can reach out to Joseph on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook under Joseph M. Bradley, and that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And he, he is reachable. He wants to hear from you, so please reach out to him. And you can reach out to me, Kimberly Lewis, at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to take a short break.
3: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and
2: new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America's Business Channel, one of the best series for learning about global leadership and business issues. And today we are talking with Joseph Bradley. He's the author of the book Questioneering and he's the Global Vice President of Digital and IOT Professional Services at Cisco. He's also Senior Research Fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. He's a renowned speaker, mentor, trainer, and published author. Now, Joseph, we've we've been having some great conversations we were just talking about the shift in leadership in this changing world. And I'd like to come back to the changing world. And, and as we're working with machines and, and machine learning and digital, how, how, what are the ethics behind that? And how do we develop trust in this whole process?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, the, 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 the ethics is a, is a critical issue. People ask me, you know, can a machine, you know, can a machine be ethical? I quickly say no. Um, you know, the, the, if you think about the Racy model, a machine may be responsible for doing something, but we as people are accountable, right? We 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 are accountable. So, uh, you know, we are going to have rules. The machines will implement those rules and apply those in society. But as leaders, you don't need to know necessarily the full algorithm and, and be able to explain the full end-to-end of how this machine is making a decision. But you can't have a black box view either. You have to be aware of what decisions, what parameters have you given that machine to be able to decide upon? Because ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that this machine can be able to help us with. It will help us with compliance. It will help us with boundaries. So in other words, instead of kind of looking at, think about exception reporting. I think that's going to be the first thing, right? Instead of looking at the whole world, of all these things, it's going to be the boy now saying, you know what, you probably want to look at these five or these 10 things to make sure that these are, the, that, that, that these are in concert with what's going on. But make no mistake, you know, people uh, will, will ultimately uh, be, be accountable. Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. And when you talk, I mean, we have to, cause we're basically teaching those machines what to do. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, you talk about um, the internet of trust and, and ensuring yeah. data integrity um, is both yes. the security and the accuracy of the data. Um, how do you, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So everyone's talking about security, right? But, but again, why do you care about something being secure? Well, you want it secured because why? Because it's valuable. Well, why is that? Because you believe the data is correct. Mm-hmm. If you are going to be physically making decisions on these 50 billion connected things, you better make sure the data you're making those decisions on is correct. There was an IBM recent study that was done and two thirds of executives. Don't trust the data. If you're trying to make decisions and you're a technology leader, and you want to change the business, you want people to, to, to actually do something differently, they have to trust the data. So, technologies like blockchain, right, that, mm-hmm. that, that allow you to infer the data has not been changed as it moves from point A to point B to point C to point D are clearly, really, really important. From a personal side of things, transparency is a number one thing that consistently consumers tell us. Around their choices of whether or not They trust something or not They know you're going to make a mistake You know, the world that we live in They know there are going to be security breaches People understand that It's what do you do When a breach occurs One, do you tell me That there's a breach Big thing How long does it take you To respond to that Are you authentic Transparency Just because I get your approval Around to use A certain aspect of data Does not mean that I have your approval around a particular intent. Intent, use, and intent are completely different, totally two different things. The best example I can give you is, is um, you know, the, the age-old example of uh, a young lady goes into a store, she gives a store uh, uh, authorization to, to look at her information, to help make recommendations, and then all of a sudden the store sends a, a coupon to the house that says, hey, you know, we noticed that um, it, you, you possibly are pregnant, and here's some things that can help you in your pregnancy. Whoa, wait a minute Right, I didn't want you doing that So I might have given you Authority to You know, to to collect my data But the intent Your usage, when they say Transparency, that's what they mean Right, consumers Mm -hmm. want that Transparency to understand intent And I think that's what's going to be behind A lot of the regulation uh, Is people want to know What is your intent Mm
1: Mm-hmm and we're seeing that now because I, did we kind of right. dig ourselves in a hole? Now um, I live in Europe, so you know we have the GDPR in exactly uh, about yes. t- three weeks. Okay, and I, I'll tell you, I go, I'm going crazy now because uh, we've been talking about GDPR now for for two years. Okay, and all of a sudden now I'm getting from every mailing list I'm on, okay, a opt in option. Okay, so yes. so we we're seeing competing forces. We have technology getting more and more sophisticated and being able to know where I am and what I do. At the same time, we're now enforcing these privacy regulations. Um, how do you think this is gonna to come together? How is this gonna to work together?
2: You know, uh, I tend to be an eternal optimist. I, I, I think the best, I remember um, the movie Jurassic Park. And you know, the, in Jurassic Park, the the dinosaurs were, were engineered, right? to uh, not uh, procreate, right? They were engineered right. to be the better species. They were engineered to be females, right? They got it right. Um, <laughs> and and what happened? There's a great line that says, you know, I'm sorry, you can't control Mother Nature, right? Mother Nature finds a way. You cannot control technology, right? It's like, can you control innovation? Let's control innovation. It's something that is going to continue to move forward. What you can do in my opinion, is to be very purposeful on the questions that you ask to ensure that we are moving in a in a, in a, in a direction, to, to, to not just be wandering around and bumping into things. I tell people, it's okay, I tell my team it's all the time, it's okay to be lost. By definition, to be lost, you have to know what you're trying to get to, right? You're mm-hmm. trying to get to a point of trust and transparency, right? That's what that, that's what you're trying to get to. Now you get everybody on that same page. You may not know how to get there, but that's what you're trying to get to. What you don't want is to simply be wandering around. I think that ultimately life is going to would be so miserable if advertisers and everybody is hitting you with information that is wrong. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, I mean, it's, going to, it's just going to be miserable. So I think the average consumer is going to be incented, right, to provide their information. But on the flip side, what do they expect from that? They're gonna expect for you to be transparent and for you but to deliver them value. And if not, then I'm gonna tell you no, I'm gonna go shop somewhere else. But in the end, I do believe that we will find, we're creative enough that we will find a a balance between uh, value, drive, and a level of privacy. I mean, it's the same thing we do when you go to a grocery store, right? You put everything that you're gonna buy on that conveyor belt. You let everybody see what you're buying. You're not concerned about privacy why is that? Because the value of getting out of that store is more to you, right? You, the the experiential value. That's the same way that you're gonna see with consumers and information. And I tell you, consumers are ahead of the enterprise on this, mm-hmm. right? Consumers know, and, and where their data is, they're, they're opting and opting out. On the enterprise side, we are nowhere near as sophisticated than that. And I think that's, to me, that's where the real challenge is on me. I mean, I mean think, think with GDPR, think what happens when this is implemented and on my corporate, on my corporate device, I now have personal pictures, but because of my corporate device of security, it's uploaded to my corporate server. Uh Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so you're going to have, I think on the corporate side, we got a lot of issues to work out around how this is. Mm-hmm. Implemented.
1: Yeah. I, I, I see that right now a lot. And, and, and I think, I think it, it I personally, because we, you know, we've been dealing with this now in Europe for for a couple of years, and I think it it made us awake. And I think it was yes. probably good. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm positive that this is going to do good, and we're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Um, but I think at the end, it has changed. It will change the way we look at data. But I want to, um, Joseph. I want to talk a little bit about your book. Okay. Sure. So, um, just tell us how you came up with the idea, and and why is it called questioneering and and a little bit about it.
2: So, um, I, I was doing a project with a with a company. Uh, And they asked us to come in and determine how can we reduce the amount of time a customer wait in line. Because if the longer customers wait in line, they abandon their carts and I got stocking issues. And so they want to reduce the amount of time in line length. So we go through this whole IoT engagement. We connect shopping carts. We do all this great stuff. And lo and behold, we can tell 40 minutes in advance when a customer's line is going to be long. And wow, I'm telling this story to my kids. At the time, and my son's an engineer and he turns to my daughter, or he wants to study engineering and, and turns to my daughter and says, see, you know, that's why I want to be an engineer. Look at that. I mean, that's, that's cool. That's real value. And, and my daughter is a humanities major, a, you know, English writer. And he's teasing her and says, see, you know, you're not going to make any money. See, you, you got to look at the stuff that dad's doing. And my daughter paused for a moment and she said, dad, that's a really cool thing, you know, but I actually think you asked the wrong question. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, you shouldn't have asked, how do you reduce the amount of time customers wait in line? You should have asked, how do you eliminate the lines? This was before <laughs> Apple stores. This is, 10 years ago. this is before Apple stores. And so the whole notion around questioneering says, if you want to drive breakthrough innovation, it's really not about changing your answers as much as it is changing your questions. And so that's the foundation of the book. Uh, we go through and show you how to ask high value questions, aim, surprise, Kindle, and ultimately how to turn that into breakthrough innovation in, in our execution, in our one, two, three models. So there's lots of stuff in the book, but ultimately it's about how do you identify those high value questions you should fundamentally be asking. Mm-hmm.
1: And and you've built a, a model on this then, and that's what's in, this, in the book on, on how you go about doing it.
2: Yes, very prescriptive. So uh, there's a very prescriptive way. How do you go about identifying your blind spot? So there's a Bradley blind spot map because your unconscious bias in those blind spots, if you don't know to check in your rear view mirror, you're not going to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the blind spot map is critical in doing that. And then we take you through ask, the ask process. Aim, get focused on the question, surprise, ask yourself what of those core subjects are, are not true. What happens then? Kindle go between aiming and surprising until you drive that breakthrough innovation. So we take you through that whole fundamental model and that whole fundamental concept in a very concrete, executable, real live way.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would just like to make the comment, Joseph. I did go through. I read the book. I um, got it. I usually do before I talk with people. And I want to recommend to the to leaders listening that they should really engage with you about this because I think it's it's very 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 valuable. And um, we're getting we're getting towards the end of our our show today. And um, I just liked to hear if we have a lot of leaders out there. And there's a lot of challenges we're all facing. Um, if you had three tips to give to leaders about this, this constantly changing world, what would that be? Yeah, and the, how- the, the first thing i tell you
2: you got to do is improve your rate of learning. It ain't about failing fast. It ain't about failing slow. Who wants to wake up and fail? Get, get that mentality out. It's about improving your rate of learning. So wake up every in, in the morning and spend 30 minutes in writing down who you are listening to, who are your experts in that environment. Second thing is, as a leader in this digital age, you got three sources of power. You can put your time into it, you can put money into it. But the third one nobody does is momentum, right? You gotta build momentum. You need to reach out and, and, and empower that base to get behind your ideas, right? Lots of ways to do that, we talk about that in the book. And the third thing I tell you is, it's not what you don't know that will cause you to fail as a leader in the digital age, it's what you believe to be true. You need to wake up each and every day and fundamentally challenge what you believe those core beliefs are. If you do those three things, I'm confident that at the end of the day, you will find great success in this new world and this digital age that we find ourselves in today.
1: Well, I think that's great tips to leave with, uh, Joseph. So, thank you so much. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Joseph Bradley. He's the author of the book, Questioneering, and he's a global vice president of the digital and IoT professional service organization at Cisco. He's also a senior research fellow for the Global Center for Digital Business Transformation at IMD. He's a world-renowned speaker, mentor, trainer, and I urge you to reach out to him. Um, he can be reached on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook uh, w- under Joseph M. Bradley, and that is B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And I also urge you to reach out and get his book. So, Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. It's been a really a great pleasure for me.
2: Thanks a lot, Kimberly. Great conversation.
1: Yes, thank you. So, for our listeners now, um, I just, the takeaways on this and Joseph's last three tips to us as leaders were tips that I found very, very valuable. And things are changing so rapidly, and we as leaders have to change with that. And I'm seeing this now in Europe. We talked a little bit about GDPR, and my mailbox is full of all mails every day asking me to opt in. I see companies struggling, but I'm also very, very optimistic. There's so many opportunities for us in this changing world, and we've heard from Joseph the opportunities that he sees. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders, and I'm Kimberly Lewis. We have a great series of guests on this series and I'm happy to come to join your event and talk about my global experience and how to grasp some changes. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 and we at the Women's Leadership Academy do executive coaching for women and leadership training, systemic team coaching and motivational speaking. Please reach out to me at leadership beyond borders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. I'm also on Twitter, Kimberly Lewis, and under GBT Leadership, and also on Facebook. And each week, we live leave with a tip for our leaders listening. And I think Joseph just wrapped everything up so well today. Uh, the one thing I really thought was really interesting was learning spend time learning and i think that is the most valuable thing that that we leaders can do is reflect on ourselves and prepare ourselves for tomorrow so with that please tune in next week and thank you for listening